Once more, let us come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, holy wisdom came down with us to dwell with us in Jesus of Nazareth, filling our world with light and life. May that wisdom also dwell within your word this day, that we may have intimate knowledge of your love for us through the one who is so close to your heart, Jesus Christ, our, your Son, our Lord. Amen. The first reading is from the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31, verses 7 to 14. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, Save, O Lord, your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I am going to bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, those with child and those in labor together. A great company, they shall return here. With weeping, they shall come, and with consolation, I will lead them back. I will let them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I have become a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd a flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall become like a watered garden, and they shall never languish again. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will give the priests their fill of fatness, and my people shall be satisfied with my bounty, says the Lord. The second reading is a responsive reading from the Old Testament, Psalm 147, verses 12 to 20. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. He grants peace within their borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down hail like frost. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his ordinances. Praise the Lord. The next reading is from the New Testament, Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless, before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him, who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. The final reading is from the New Testament, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, What I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How are we to measure time? Just two nights ago, we were in this very place, singing hymns that seemed to us as old as time. Like the God that we praise, they seem to us to be the sum total of Christmas. Yesterday, for many of us, we didn't even venture from the house. And because God is the God that gives hail, as the psalm said, that was probably a good thing, as yesterday was not very good traveling. But instead of moving, we huddled inside and we luxuriated in the peace of Christmas Day as as if all time had been suspended for just a day. 
And then we arrive at today. That day within the tradition of Boxing Day, most, mostly a continuation of that sweet repose of Christmas that began yesterday. Visiting with family, perhaps. Cleaning up the leftovers from last night, most definitely. Picking up those various little scraps of gift wrap and ribbon that are still on the living room floor or couch. All of those things are part of time. But very different time. The Welsh poet Dylan Thomas writes of this suspension of time in his poem, A Child's Christmas in Wales. He opens the poem with these words. One Christmas was so much like the other in those years around the sea town corner now. Out of all sound except the distant speaking of the voices I sometimes hear a moment before I sleep. And I can never remember whether it snowed for six days and six nights when I was twelve, or whether it snowed for twelve days and twelve nights when I was six. Steeped as it is in all of the tradition that we have about Christmas, both societally and within our own homes, each Christmas and every Christmas looks remarkably like the other. So too in the church, the tradition of Christmas roots us in time and place, and yet it also blurs that line that exists between this year and last. What year did we move the trees in the sanctuary? Can anybody remember? When was, when, who was it who read the Luke reading about the angels and the shepherds last year? It all just seems to be a bit of a blur. We know the story, perhaps, too well. That it has so much so that it has no longer, no longer has that shock value for us with its early alternate, altering revelation that God has transgressed the boundary that separates eternity from history, heaven from earth in the person of Jesus Christ. But then the lectionary calls us to comprehend the dance that is the prologue of John's gospel, spinning and whirling the story of salvation into bright and vibrant but completely abstract tapestry of words. John chapter 1 is both my favorite passage of scripture and it managed to survive that even when it was the text that we had to deal with uh, when I was learning how to, uh, learning biblical Greek way back when in seminary. And yet, while it's my favorite text, increasingly it becomes the one that I know how to preach, the least of all. It is because of that different approach that John brings, that swirl and whirl of the story of salvation. You cannot reduce John chapter 1 to the front of a Christmas card. And perhaps that's the point that John is trying to make. John invites us to consider the mystery of the Incarnation. For John, the story of Christmas cannot be be reduced to a Christmas card or to little children dressed as shepherds in their father's housecoats. 
For John, the story of Christmas is mystery and music and, and poetry. The prologue of John is indeed one of the first hymns of the Christian church. And it, in this form, as a hymn, it is significant because song and melody move us in ways that logic and dialogue never could. That's perhaps why John selects this mode of storytelling. In these verses, John retells the story of the creation, right? We are drawn to reflect on Genesis chapter 1 by John as he introduces his book in the same way that Genesis is introduced. In the beginning. Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. John, in the beginning, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In these verses of retelling of the story, John invites us to look beyond the numbering and the order. John isn't the scientist. He, creation in John's mind, cannot be subdivided into days and nights and independent actions one upon the other. John seeks to remind us of the mystery of our salvation that begins at creation but goes beyond it to the coming of Christ, word made flesh. That Jesus Christ was from the very beginning with God. As he says, in the beginning was the word. Word creating, word made flesh, word of life. In this great swirl of poetry, creation does not end with just the story of creation of humanity. No, for John, creation ends with the saving act of Jesus, through which we are not simply created, but we are adopted. John says, he came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him, but to all who would receive him, he who believed in his name, he gave them the authority to become the children of God. From this, the Christian church receives the doctrine of adoption. While we rejoice in the incarnation of God, that God would come to us and take on human flesh so that God in Christ would experience all of human life and understand all that motivates us and draws us away from God, the great temptations of our lives. There is also a change that happens to us in this mystery of God with us, according to John. According to John, we become part of the family of God, adopted into the holiness of our Lord. As Jesus takes on our human flesh to become like one of us, we share our human nature with the divine, the eternal, and we become part of the family of God. Through the years, it's been my privilege to have known adoptive parents who have adopted children. And at some point in that relationship, that adoptive relationship, at some point the children always arrive at that moment 
when they are forced to struggle with the question of why their biological parent would not or could not take care of them. And always the response of the adoptive parents is the same. It is that while their biological parents may not have been able to care for them or to love them, that these children have been chosen. Chosen in love by their adoptive parents. And that they are committed to them for all of their lives. As we reflect on the reality in John's Gospel, that we have been given the authority to become the children of God, we are reminded that God has chosen us and commit, is committed to loving us regardless of the sins and the offenses and shortcomings that we might commit. All we need to do is place our trust in God and see his coming to us in Christ in the flesh. All too soon, the gifts will be taken from under the tree and the Christmas decorations will be stored away again for another year. But the greatest gift of Christmas will remain. We have received the loving acceptance of God in the Christ who comes, in the Christ who gives his all for us, in the Christ who will come again and who has invited us to participate in the heavenly feast. We have been adopted to become the children of God. As we look to the new year, in this new year and in every year, may we commit to growing in our faith that we may be truly the children of the Father and that through being adopted into that relationship, we may become light to the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.